scholars put Solomon's age right here right around 20. 20 years old. And some would even say that 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 number could be as low as 12 years old. So somewhere between 12 and 20, maybe a teenager, is where we find Solomon today. And today, brothers and sisters, I ask you, what were you doing between ages 12 and 20? I hear the chuckles, I see the the smirks creep over your face as you think about the irrational, sometimes reckless decisions that that people make between those ages of, of 12 and 20. If your parents had to say, would they have put you in charge of a grand and glorious kingdom in those times? Probably not. A treasury, an army, I don't think so. Would they have even put you in charge of your siblings? Eh, Maybe not. Would they even let you be in charge of yourself? Well, you don't have to answer that one. No, Solomon finds himself as a a very young man here, and he is written a blank check from God. God says, what what do you want? Just, Just ask. A blank check for a very young man. If you were asked that question, what would be your response? If God came to you in a dream tonight and said, I will give you whatever you ask for, would our response look similar to Solomon's? Or might it look a little different? In order to really understand where Solomon finds himself, we got to go a couple chapters back. He had just freshly risen to the throne. But before he was named king, there was a little bit of a controversy over who was actually going to be the next king. One of his half-brothers, Adonijah, tried to kind of slip the throne out from underneath him. And as, as their, their dad, King David, was dying... Adonijah kind of brought some of the people of the courts around him and tried to really get his name out there so that, so that maybe when King David died, people would look around and go, well, who's the next king? Uh, I guess it should be Adonijah. He's got the popularity. He's got the, the gravitas for it. And so he, that had been put to rest. And ultimately, David did put Solomon on the throne, but it kind of speaks to the, the trials and the tribulations that every king has to deal with. When you are a king of a people that is great, when you are a leader of a massive number of people, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of headache. There's a lot of heartache. And so as we, we see Solomon dealing with all of those things, that's the context in which we find him. And the Lord asks him, Solomon, Right now, you might have some problems going on in your life. What do you want? And he prays for wisdom. He says, Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Solomon sees the task that's in front of him. He understands that the expectations could not be higher. He is the the leader of God himself's kingdom. He is following in the footsteps of his father, King David, who is widely known as the greatest king to ever rule the people of Israel, and now they're saying, okay, you are 12, 16, 20 years old, buddy. It's time for you to step up to the place. And this is what he asked for, an ability to serve. 
and ability to do his job, not, not for the glory and honor and riches that come with it, but so that he can judge God's people fairly and rightly and be a good leader. And it even says, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. God hears this, this request from Solomon and he sees the motivation of Solomon's heart and, and he could not be happier because he sees a leader that is, is ready and willing to serve and sacrifice for his people. But he doesn't stop there, God. God continues. Since you have asked for this, and not for a long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. See, there were, there were things that were going to be God-pleasing requests, and as we can tell, there were things that, uh, that were not going to be. So how about you? What do you want? Brothers and sisters of peace, what, what do you want? If God came to you in a dream tonight, would our answer be able to be as selfless as Solomon's? I sometimes wonder that. I wonder if it would be as, as giving, as servant-minded. If you think about about this, it's not really just about the prayer life that we're talking. It's not just God telling us, now don't pray for anybody else, or don't pray for yourself, just pray for everybody else around you. That's, that's not what God's request here is. I think this goes a little deeper. What are the things that consume all of our brain's bandwidth? What are the things that we put all of our energy and effort and desire into in order to accomplish? What are the things that we chase after and pursue? And if God gave us a blank check, we would say, yes, I will sign on the dotted line, and God, this is exactly what I want you to take care of. Is it always like what Solomon wanted? This godly spiritual wisdom to be able to serve his fellow, his fellow brothers and sisters? Or is it often a little bit more self-serving? You know, God, by, by giving us the things that Solomon didn't ask for, so, sort of gives us a little bit of a blueprint to, to maybe the things that, that in our weakness we sometimes do pursue. It talks about wealth. And I guess the question today is, is, is our definition of a good life hung up on God packing our 401k a little bit tighter? Or is it defined by something else? Is our greatest need something else? Is our life defined and is our greatest need in this life just another year or three years or five years or better health here on this earth so that we can live life to the fullest, enjoy our vacations and, and really kick back and relax while we're here? And we ask God for, for longer days. Is it, is it less, well, God, I would like longer days to serve you and more God, I would like longer days, more years on my life so that others can serve me. But one thing you're definitely not doing, or at least I hope you're not, is praying for the death of your enemies. Probably not. But is there maybe something in our hearts that would make us want to be at the top of the heap in every aspect of our lives? 
That when the people at our place of business look at us, they go, that person is the best at his job or her job, and no one else is anywhere close. Do we want that glory and honor for ourselves so that we can pat ourselves on the back? Do we want, do we want that very same thing here in, in our church? That, that we would serve in a way that, yes, helps other people, but at the end of the day makes all the eyeballs on this guy so that people go, wow, wow, what a lovely servant. I guess this, the simple question is, brothers and sisters, if, if God gives us a blank check and says, ask me whatever you want, would it be a self-serving request? Or would it be a request about serving others? And I think if, if you're like me so often that the self-serving requests might, might float their way to the top. So how was Solomon able to manage that? With all of these things on his plate, why was he able to ask for this and not for all of the solutions to his problems and not ask for wealth so that he could have security in his kingdom? Why was he able to ask for this with such a, a glad heart? For that, we have to go back to verse 6. Solomon is talking to God. He says, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne to this very day. There's one word in there that's used twice. You see, you see Solomon talking about the kindness that was shown to David. That word is, is, is probably even really bigger than that in the original, in the original Hebrew. It's, it's the word chesed, and it means faithful love. There's almost no specific word that we have for it, but it's that faithful, abiding, relentless love that God deals with his people where God chases down the lost, where God shows mercy when no mercy is earned or deserves. That word chesed, that, that, that faithful love, that loyal love is, is the love that we see throughout scripture and it's the love that, that King Solomon is now saying, I know you showed this to my father, to my father David. For an accurate depiction of that love, I want you to think of the, the little girl, the daughter that, that finds herself jumping up and down, up and down on the couch, up and down on the couch, over and over and over again. Mom, and, mom comes into the room, turns to her daughter, and says, stop jumping on the couch, you are going to hurt yourself. Okay, mom. Mom walks back into the kitchen, and sure enough, right as she turns her back, right back to up and down, up and down, up and down on the couch, until all of a sudden she hears from the other room, boom, wham! Head goes right into the coffee table. Tears are everywhere. And mom comes out. And instead of, of berating her child who's crying on the ground, she comes up and, and scoops her up in her arms and kisses her on the forehead and says, everything's going to be okay. That's chesed. That is that, that, that faithful love, even when people don't deserve it. Chesed is the the father who is dealing with his son and has told his son to change the oil in his car not one time, not two times, not three times, but 63 times. And he's told him to change it. Change your oil. You need to get this done. And then one night, the son takes his car out way past curfew, sneaks out, hangs out with all the wrong person, does all the wrong things, goes out there. And at 145, he calls his dad, his voice quivering, and says, Dad, the engine seized up and I can't get home and I'm an hour and 45 minutes away. And the dad hangs up, puts on a coat, gets in his car, drives out, 
picks up his son, and his, his son is very rattled and shaken at this moment, takes his hand, puts it on his son's shoulder, and says, you dummy, get in my car, I still love you, and it's all going to be okay. That's that faithful love. That chesed. Faithful love is a God who sees his people break his commandments for the first time ever in the Garden of Eden and without skipping a beat comes in and, and delivers a, a plan for grace and mercy. That's, that's faithful love. That's that relentless kindness. Faithful love is, is a God who, who tries to free his people from Egypt even though he knows that once those people get out into the wilderness, they are going to rebel against him and say, why can't we go back to Egypt and be underneath the, the, the boot heel of our captors? And yet God does free him, free them. That's faithful love. It's that same faithful love that, that it takes when, when that, that kingdom gets a little older and has a few more leaders and, and receives the promised land and then looks around at the people around them and says, they have a king, they have a king, they have a king. Well, that looks pretty cool. God, I am done with you being the king of our nation. Can we please have an actual human being king just like those other nations? And God acquiesces and says, yes, you may, but I'm still going to be there for you. Even though you've tried to push me away and and stick your arm out and get me as far away from, from ruling you as possible, I, I'm still going to be there for you. Yeah, that faithful love is what King Solomon saw in firsthand in the life of his father. As his father must have recounted to him that time when he, he seemed to have broken all of God's law and, and abandoned God and said, I want nothing to do with the way that you are telling me to lead my life. And yet God in his chesed, and his relentless love, takes the prophet Nathan and sends him to go fetch King David so that he would be bought back, brought back into the fold. Solomon saw faithful love. For years and decades, and yes, he knew back centuries that the Lord had shown faithful love over and over and over again, and now he stands at the head of the kingdom and he looks around and he goes, God, what else could I want? You say, what do you want from me? I say, I don't need anything. I have your faithful love. I have that chesed. You've given me absolutely everything I could possibly want. Why would I need anything more for myself? And so he asks God for that spiritual gift of being able to lead God's people even better. You and I understand that love. Even if that's that first, the first time you've heard that, that Hebrew word today, you and I understand that, that faithful love of God as we saw it shimmering perfectly clearly on the cross. As Jesus says, no matter what your background is, no matter where you have been, here is your future. I am your future. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and you are welcome to the Father through me. That is that relentless, pursuing love that only the loving Father can share. And then we find ourselves looking around and going, God, you've given me peace in my life, rest for my soul, and assurance for my eternity. And then you, you throw the doors open and say, in prayer, you're allowed to ask of me whatever you'd like. God, I don't need anything more. 
you've given me your chesed. You've given me that faithful love, and I, I have no more requests for you. And so we're able to worry less about ourselves, and we're able to worry about those vocations that God has given to us so that we can serve others. I was at a, I was at a member's house earlier this month, and we had been fed brisket and potatoes and beans, and I, I think I blacked out for part of the meal because I was so full, and so I don't even remember what else was on the table. And we'd been fed, and, and we'd been given seconds and thirds, and I probably shamefully took fourths. And I was sitting there just filled to the absolute brim. There was not an ounce of room left in me. I had eaten a third of my body weight. <laughs> and then our dear hostess had the audacity to come out and say, who's ready for blueberry cobbler? You have been filled up by the chesed of Jesus. That faithful love that fills and packs and, and gives you, yes, temporal blessings, but those eternal, those spiritual blessings in your life. And then you look around and go, God, how could I ask for anything more for myself? Give me the ability to serve those around me. And then you are able to look at the vocations God has given you in your life. Father, mother, worker fellow believer, fellow brother or sister here at your church, and you're able to go, I am able to ask God for anything as it pertains to me being able to do my duty? What an immense blessing to be able to actually go before God and say, no, 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 God, I don't need any more money from you. I don't need anything else from you. But please, Lord, please cause me to be a, a godly husband and a, and a, and a God-fearing father. Lord God, please allow me to be a mother that puts the needs of her family first. And I know some of you are going, yes, I, I, I'm none, neither of those things right now. I, I, don't have, I don't have any family that lives under my roof. But know that, that you can ask those same things as you serve as a, a model of Christian faith in the lives of your children and your grandchildren. And yes, for some of you, even your great-grandchildren. You're able to ask God, please, Lord, make me a better student of your word so that I might be filled up with your spiritual blessings every single day and understand you better and better and better. Yes, brothers and sisters, we're given all of these opportunities to ask God for just anything we want. And when we understand that chesed, when we understand that loving kindness that has been shown to us over and over and over again, Year after year, from the time we were brought to the baptismal font up until right now, when you understand that loving kindness, that faithful, loyal love that your God has for you, all of a sudden you're able to kick back and go, you know what, God? The things of this world, the things that are fading, give me whatever you want. Just keep delivering your chesed. Keep delivering that faithful love. Amen.